The Bar Star Podcast is a show that aims for something a little different. It's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician. But let's be honest, I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second, who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's gonna listen to a show put on by somebody they haven't heard of. To another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, a very quarantined, with the windows open, very beautiful day outside, birds chirping. Nope, don't care that it'll come through the mic. Stephen O'Reilly. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody is staying safe. And uh, that's really all I got. I can't, uh, can't do my normal open because you guys can't go out and do some shit. So I hope you're staying safe and shit. Anyway, thank you guys for coming back to hang out with me once again and check out a new episode. Since I have time on my hands and so does everybody else. We're going to get some new episodes coming. Uh, I've got some in the bank. I've got some I'm working on. I've got some scheduled. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for all that shit. Today on the show, however, I get to hang out with my buddy Jeff House. Uh, Jeff is a drummer who is from Louisville. He's done... uh, quite a lot of things kind of i hate to use the term underground but he did a lot of stuff with the church or different churches i say the church is a blanket term Uh, but he was also the drummer for eight inch elvis for a for a while before uh, they became the rockabilly kind of thing that they are now so we just had a conversation about drums and music and him growing up as a uh being into country music and gospel music and stuff like that kind of cool talk about his abusive father i'm just kidding his dad actually wasn't abusive he just liked to kick shit out of him once in a while uh but we get into all kinds of good stuff and we just have a lot of fun and and jeff is an awesome dude he's got a great sense of humor we had a lot of fun hanging out via skype so we do go off into the weeds a little bit in drum gear land so just so you guys know when you get two drummers talking it just happens it's natural there's really no uh, there's no way to avoid it. So that's it. I am going to shut my face, and I will talk to you guys on the other side of this. Here is my conversation with a one self-deprecating, very funny Jeff House. So what are you drinking? That is a delicious Killian's. Look at you with your Killians. Matches your red beard. I like it. It's, uh, well, we're already out of March, so I guess I'm still just kind of clinging. <laughs> You're just still clinging to the beard. I'm, st- I'm still clinging to the to the uh, the Irish or the. I guess that's a Scottish. It's, it's, I don't know. You know, it's, it's good. I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a huge beer drinker. Anyway, I am sitting here looking at my. My semi-new friend, a one Mr. Jeff House. How are you, brother? Hey, doing good. Amongst all this, we're still vertical, so that's cool, right? Yes, we're <laughs> still above ground, so that is good. Quarantine. Yes, absolutely. How are you? Are you holding up pretty good? Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, Stacy and I are well. I mean, all things considered, it's it's weird because 
I don't know if I talked about this on my last episode or not that I did with Sean that I just released, but a month and a half ago, Stacy and I both got out of our jobs that we had to go back in the service industry full time. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and, wow. Yeah. And then all this shit hits. So, <laughs> wow. oh, man. yeah, it's kind of bad, but I mean, it is what it is. I get the double whammy because not only am I in the service industry full time again, but I'm also a musician. So all of my income streams are El Gano. Yeah, but just thank man, my anxiety just went through the roof. <laughs> Do what? Your anxiety went through so the roof? My anxiety for you just made this went through the roof. Uh, it's, it, it, yeah, it's uh, thank you, but it's it's fine, man. It, I've said it before, and I don't know if I've said it on this show, but I've I've talked to people before. I am by no stretch of the imagination uh, uh, amazing with money, nor do I have a shit pile of money. But I am good enough with my money, and so is my wife, that we will be okay. Now, if this lasts for a couple months, we're fucked. But for right now, we're good. <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't crash us that long. It's my daughter's in the same boat you are, but she's in the service industry and she's in college, so that's her income while college. So. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I get it. Yeah, there's right. there's a lot of. Yeah, it's 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 bad. But anyway, enough about the negative shit. Let's talk about the positive shit. Um, I will freely admit that I don't know a shit ton about you. You and I have had a few conversations, and they mostly revolve around drums, and that's pretty much it. So you have to refresh my memory. Nobody knows about me. (laughs) Everybody's about to now because I'm going to ask you intimate questions. I'm I'm like that kid from the movie Can't Buy Me Love, that Ronald kid that, you know, finally gets to talk to cool kids. And he's just, what do you say to him? Just, hey, look at my telescope. Just talk nerd stuff. I don't, I'm not comfortable at this table. It's just, that's just, I'm, I even told, we have a mutual friend, Mr. Goldsmith. Uh, Yes. That's how I met you. And, yes. Uh, I even told him the day, I said, man, I'm a nervous wreck talking to Steven later on. He's like, shut up and do it. So, what the fuck you nervous talking to me for? Uh, I'm an idiot. I don't know what it is about these things. We all, you're a drummer. I guess that falls, you know, that's just like a criteria. Uh, I've never known any drummer that didn't have ADD and wasn't an idiot. It's kind of like our, our right. characteristic. Fair point. But yeah, I don't know. I just I'm, I just don't think I'm that interesting guy. I just kind of, you know, I'm just happy to be in the party. That's just me. So, <laughs> you know, and, well, well, I'm happy you're at the party. How about that? But you are a drummer, correct? How long have you been playing? For uh, over 35 years, probably. I'm 47, so probably approaching 40 years, to be honest. You're the greatest number ever. 47 is my <laughs> favorite number. So you've, you've been playing that long. Are you from Louisville? Yeah, born and raised here in Louisville. Short okay. stint that I spent in um, the Sarasota, Florida area. Got you. Uh, but other than gotcha. that, yeah, I mean, I'm just a little born and bred guy that uh, kind of discovered rock music late in life. Um, and but I, I I started off playing drums when I was a little kid in church. It was the only thing that I could do that prevented my dad from punching me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was. I had one of those evangelistic fathers that was preaching on Sunday and punching me in the face on Sunday afternoon and. We're going to preach again on Sunday night. So it was one of those love-hate things. But I got the you. only time he was he was proud of me was when I was playing the drums and as a young kid. So I figured if I was had him smile and doing that, he wasn't punching me. 
Well, that, that, there, I mean, there is that. I don't really <laughs> I can answer that, but whatever. No, uh, that's cool. So I'm, is it safe to assume then you did a lot of like church playing and stuff when you were growing up? That's all I was allowed to do. I wasn't even exposed to uh, the devil's music, boy, until I was, you know, <laughs> probably. That's the devil's music, son. devil's music. I, I, it wasn't until my parents separated and the guy that, uh, became my stepfather for the last good night 30 something years uh when he moved in he had this extensive album collection and it was everything from fleetwood mac to the beatles and everything under the sun and i literally spent an entire summer cooped up in a in a, in a small apartment in front of a stereo going through this extensive album collection i was i was drawn in and this was nice. this was my exposure i wasn't allowed to listen to this stuff growing up my mom thought I was battling depression. She was going to send me off to, at the time it was Olap, uh, Our Lady of Peace. It's, and, uh, it's still Olap. <laughs> is it really? Okay. Yeah, it's still Olap. She was going to send me off to there. She's like, my kid, he's depressed. I need Jesus and he's got to be exercised. And I don't know what's going on with him. But, but no, it was just like, for me, I'm like, I'm discovering some of the most amazing musicians and drummers as a young drummer at that time. It was right. just eye for me. Nice. So did you did you do the quintessential thing that because I'm the same age as you, I'm 45. Oh, wow. Did you, did you do the same quintessential shit that us kids that were kind of grew up were kind of grew up fucking English, dude, learn, learn the damn language. <laughs> us kids that grew up in the 80s, 90s kind of era. Did you just start playing along the records and stuff? I was playing along to anything and everything that I could. And, and, and I didn't even have a drum set then because I was. We couldn't afford that, and, and God forbid you have a drum set in an apartment. Oh, so I, I, I get it. Set up encyclopedia. I think my first drum set was probably the Encyclopedia Britannica, and I would set those things up around in a big Neil Peart-like circle, and just <laughs> you know, that was it. I love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that my first my... rig was the Britannica, bitches. <laughs> right. right. But then, you know, at this church that we went to where my dad was the assistant pastor, they're, the pastor there, they were pretty well off. They were in some kind of vitamin business or something, I don't know. But their son, who was uh, about five years older than I was at the time, maybe a little more, he had a huge, uh, huge Ludwig kit that was just you know, probably like 10 toms that wrapped around the thing. And for a church, that was a pretty amazing drum kit. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's what I got to break my chops in for about three or four years playing on that kit. Uh, very oh, early. Nice. Yeah. Spoiled. Well, yeah, that'll that'll definitely spoil you. I trust me, I've done my 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 time on uh, phone books and five gallon buckets. So I guess Yes. Get yes. <laughs> yes. I, I tore up some damn phone books back in the day. It's amazing what a drummer will turn into a drum kit. Uh, just like I don't even buy a car unless the steering wheel sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy, my wife, I, I can't remember if you've met my wife or not. I think you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Stacy gives me shit all the time. She's like, the steering wheel is not a drum. Everything is a drum, woman. Everything. 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 She'll look at me and go, well, you have tapped on my titties while you were asleep, so I guess that is fair. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I know you went to um, the music uh, theory school thing. I don't even know what that's called. Uh, <laughs> 
that's called music school. Music school. You went to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to AIM. Well, because I'm not 100% sure if you know this, and um, because it's my show and my listeners are tired of hearing this, I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. But I didn't go to AIM until I was 29 years old. I went really late. Um, there's still, for some reason, as long as I've been in Louisville, there's still a lot of people that think I was just the, the music school kid and that's what I came from. No, I did a lot. I paid my fucking dues for a mm-hmm. lot of years before I even went to music school. I didn't get my first lesson until I was 29 when I went to music school. Wow. My first lesson was when I approached my dad at a young age. My, I, I'm kind of blessed. Both of my parents are very, very musically, or, or my mom before she passed, they were both very, very musically gifted people. I mean, they could play everything. Right. So I would go to my dad, hey, dad, I want to play the drums. And he gave me my only drum lesson that I've ever had. He goes, well, all right, boy, you want to play the drums? Watch other drummers and do what they do. That was my drum lesson. That was, <laughs> I guess you get what you pay for. But that honestly hasn't changed a whole lot for me because, you know, when you play in a cover band and you're going to learn a song, you're okay, okay, let me listen to this drummer and let me do what he does. Right. It's, that hasn't really changed a whole lot. Right. Well, when did you get into your first band? Um, even as a as a young church going Bible strapping whippersnapper, <laughs> I, my first band that I was actually involved with when I was a young now maybe good night twelve, and I played with a Christian band that would tour around and to different churches in the area and in the region and do that. And that was you know I've always been blessed to be really paired up with some really, really good musicians, no matter the genre. Um, and, and the church really, that's where I got my chops. Really, it was Pentecostal churches, man. And those guys play, and they play hard. Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, they they do. And, yeah, that was my that was my first step. But as far as rock music and things like that, I didn't get, you do the stupid high school stuff where you, everyone gets on there and plays Crazy Train, and you make some chick at high school swoon and, but you're too stupid to know how to advance on that because you're just like, no, I like your boobies, but I don't know what to do to get there. Uh, just, you know, so you play crazy training, you think you're doing something cool, and you do some spin some sticks, and you just think you're, you know, God's gift to everything. I mean, you're really not. That's just right. I didn't break on the Louisville scene until I'm, I, I think I missed the the great party. Uh, when, I was, when I say that, I mean the days of like, remember the old tech world and the toy tiger and, and all that so i missed all of that but i didn't i didn't break into the louisville scene until the late 90s early 2000s uh, with my first original band and uh, still love those guys but you know it was just a we were just a big party that's all we were right i i never i moved up here too late the the toy tiger and all the other shit was was closed when i moved up here i i got the the phoenix hill treatment and all that kind of stuff which was great i'm not yeah, yeah. slamming on it at all but I missed the toy. I missed the toy tiger days, and and I kind of not you because you didn't do this, but I really wish people in Louisville <laughs> would just let that fucking place go. It's dead. Leave it alone. It but is whatever. The only cool thing that I ever, I mean, I never even went to that place. I never visited. I think I was still too young to even get in it uh, in its heyday. Um, but it's just, I mean, you hear various bands that come through there, but it's still just, yeah, that's what. So I got stabbed in the parking lot. <laughs> he got stabbed in the face right in the back. Got stabbed in the face. Wait, so, how did he get stabbed just... in the face and in the back? No, right in the back of the bar, he got stabbed in the face. 
<laughs> but but in all fairness, I've heard that same story at, at Phoenix Hill. You know, once, once or oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I just think all that stuff is it builds a legacy for for different towns. There was um, uh, I can't even remember the Rockies. There was a club in Charlotte called Rockies that I snuck into. I was a teenager. Um, I snuck in that bar and I saw every band you could possibly think of back in that day when uh, I guess it would been would have been the mid 90s when all the quote unquote hair bands were on their way out so they were all doing club tours I saw so many bands in that room I saw Kicks and Winger and uh, Warrant and Slamming Gladys who if you guys don't know who Slamming Gladys is you need to check them out they were a little bit ahead of their time they were badass um, but I saw all kinds of bands but it was I think what I'm getting at is I think there's every town has that one quote legendary venue that made the town or made the city and people just they can't let it go or they don't want to let it go. And I understand it. I just like to give people shit because I've never lived in I've lived in a lot of cities, but I've never lived in a city where the the community holds on to one particular venue like they have the Toy Tiger. I, I find it amusing. The Toy Tiger or Jim Porter, for Christ's sake, let that retirement home die, too. <laughs> the irony of that is as many times as I've played Phoenix Hill and all the other venues in Louisville, not only did I never play Jim Porter's, I'd never even been there. You lucked out. You, <laughs> what did you miss on a real tragic time? That was the worst. That's, that's by far the worst place I ever had to play. Really? Was it that bad? Yes. They just had you on a. They had bands on a weird schedule, man. It was just plenty of room, and it's just you know depending upon what room they throw you in. uh, I don't know. It's just yeah, it was that bad. It was that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah. When you when you're when you, when anybody's voice goes down into that one, you're just out of words at that point. (laughs) (laughs) It's. It's just it was the worst, and it shouldn't have been. I mean, it really had the the ambience to be a really cool place to play. But uh, no. well, I always heard it was aesthetically or physically, however you, way you want to look at it, that I always heard it was set up like Phoenix Hill was. I often wondered. I thought they were actually owned by the same people. And yeah, they were right. Yeah, um, Frankie and uh, her husband. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but yeah, they owned both of them. They owned Jim Borders yeah. and Phoenix Hill. The same decor, the whole same type vibe uh, was there, but I just I don't know what it was that made Phoenix Hill just different. Phoenix Hill was I, just different. I think it was because it was a maze, and I don't <laughs> yeah. mean amazing. It was a fucking was maze. The first time I ever went in there, and I wrote about this in my book. The first time I ever went in there, I got lost. Oh wow! Tw- twice, I'd never been in a venue that damn big. The place was huge. But as far as far as you know, being uh, playing on a stage, I mean. I, I can never remember a time where the sound wasn't good at Phoenix Hill. Those sound guys always knew their stuff, man. Oh, yeah. They they always had really good sound guys. That's, that is 100% true. Well, when did you – you said that you, you had a band in the, in the 90s, an original band. What, what kind of stuff were you doing? We were just uh, – anything – really bad stuff that any other original <laughs> band was doing. It was probably early 2000s more than anything. We just – you try to find yourself. You just try to play hard, and you you try to sound different than any other band, just like everybody else is doing. But you all still right. sound the same. If you close your eyes, you couldn't. You it was those venues where you had all right. I've got six bands playing today. You're going to go on for thirty minutes and break down your stuff and clear the stage, and you're going to go on and ugh, 
45 <laughs> sets. It's just horrendous, and every band sounded the same. You just, and then you had your metal bands where every word that they're singing sounds like they're yelling for some guy named Roy. And Roy, Roy, Roy. And it's like, would someone call Roy so this guy will stop singing about him? I'm tired of it. It was just, ugh. It just, Roy. Yeah. Roy, Roy, I just, ugh, you know, I mean, it's, even the drummers and those those guys were stellar, but I just, I've never been one of these guys that cared to try to attempt 30-second notes on my kicks. I just, ugh, A, that I can't do it, but B, I've just never seen, I've never been impressed with that. Oh, podcast foul, my friend. <laughs> Damn. Turn your phone off, stupid. My, one, of our, one of our buddies is up here, and his... Is your wife calling? Ugh. Sorry about that, Steven. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not editing this out. This is gold. <laughs> is your wife calling? Ugh. Wife calling. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. I love it. <laughs> so what was the name of that man? Do you remember? My first uh, stint in this was a band called Four Story Failure. Was my first stint with the original the original Louisville music scene. It's uh, a cool name. You know, anything that cool came from that band, I have to give credit to our lead singer. He was a guy. But the, how we even found this guy? Or look, I think he sent us an email. Hey, I'd like to audition for your band. Well, you know, tell us about yourself. Well, in my spare time, I sell light bulbs to homeless people or something stupid. I don't know. Just, <laughs> and, but the guy came in and, and, and just his personality, still to this day, I mean, the guy is just one of the funniest people I've ever met. Um, just so creative and just, uh, he was considerably, I, mean, I was the old guy in the band, obviously, but he was considerably younger and just was one of these guys that just jumped in and would do anything and everything to be the life of the party. And he, he made our band as fun as we were. And without him, we, we would suck worse. <laughs> suck worse? I mean, we weren't. We weren't. I mean. I love the confidence you have. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah you hang out with me enough and you'll just see a world of self-deprecating, ugh, loathing. And I'm, just a, I'm just a fat-titted nothing. It's just terrible. <laughs> You were sitting in front of me, I'd punch you for that one. Uh, I, you know how many times I've heard that today alone? If you say one more bad thing about yourself, I'm going to pinch your nipples and pluck your pubes. Stop it. Just, ugh, don't tease me with a good time. But Oh, shit. Yeah, that's gnarly. That's where it all started for me. And then, but the thing that I loved about those days is the camaraderie that you have with other bands that you, you would meet and hang out with musicians, and you really built the network for yourself then. Right. Now, did you go, did you stay in the original thing forever, or did you get into the cover thing, or did you do both? I I have always been very musically eclectic, but again, yep, you can, I grew up listening to gospel music and country, right. and anything else was deemed devil music, and I love you son, but I'll slice your throat if I catch you listening to that devil music again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just... Uh, from there, I mean, I, I've always kept my mind open to whatever, musically, if it moves me emotionally, or if I can get into it and feel it, I'm all in it. Right. If I can't, if I can't get into it, if I can't feel it, if I can't feel some type of emotional tie to it, uh, yeah, I'm not interested. But, I mean, I've done the original 
um, rock thing, which, you know, never fared well. Then I immediately got in from there into country covers, which oh, okay. was probably closer to my forte because country was so close to Southern gospel music that I grew up doing. Right. Um, and then I kind of found my niche of being a rock drummer. I played like a rock drummer, but country stuff just kind of went hand in hand for me. So now that makes sense. A lot yeah. of that stuff all ties into to together. I was going to say ties into itself, but that's a stupid sentence. It all it all ties together because you can flow from one to the other rhythmically speaking. Obviously not lyrical and melody wise, but a lot of the rhythms are all the same from the the old southern gospel into the southern rock into the southern and I know this sounds like an oxymoron, but you'll know what I mean. Like the southern country, that that old school southern country stuff. Yeah, it all yeah. kind of has that same vibe. Absolutely. And, well, and a lot of today's, some of today's newer country, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of some of it. Some of it sounds too much the same to me. Um, but a right. lot of it does tend to have some throwback southern rock kind of outlaw. I don't know. It's got that vibe. Some of it has that vibe for sure. Yeah. But then a lot of it, especially um, because of the swerve with what we do, there's a lot of stuff when when Joey and I are are breaking it down. There's a lot of stuff. It's just rock songs with Mm -hmm. some some twang guitar and a a country style vocal. I mean, one of the songs we do, um, Little Red Wagon by Miranda Lambert. Melanda Rambert. Wow. Miranda <laughs> Lambert. I can't talk today. I don't know what it is. Um, that song's a straight up punk song. Yeah. The, the whole damn song's just a punk song. I think a lot of country is, you know, the newer stuff is, is a lot of that three or four chord, just, you know, basic, comfortable, comfortable groove. I, I don't even know how you word that, but it's just, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, a lot of it's, it's just got that basic three or four chord rock foundation and then they yes. they kind of embellish it with a little bit of the like i said earlier the the twanging guitar or the banjo or the fiddle or mandolin or whatever they're using to kind of um embellish it to the countryside and there's just fyi for the ears that are listening to this i i have zero problem with that because there's a lot of the new country stuff i absolutely love i'm a huge huge keith urban fan um that guy to me can do no wrong but i'm not a fan of in most people that know me know that i never say anything sucks uh, but i'm not a fan of old school country i just don't like it i don't like the old outlaw stuff i don't like the old um, the 80s and 90s country where it started to kind of evolve away from the outlaw stuff. I just I can't get into that. I've never been able to get into that stuff. I'm a big fan of the early 90s country. Well, I, mean, I, grew, up, I grew up on the 70s stuff. So, I mean, you know, Eddie Rabbit, I love a rainy night. Do you? Shut up, stupid. But, I mean, <laughs> nobody likes a rainy night. It messes up your hair and messes up your boots. And just please shut up. But, I, mean, yeah, I don't I, have hair. But, yeah, yeah, I get what right. you said, though. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but for me, I, you know, I'm like you. I don't like to say that a, a band sucks. Another thing that I hate that, that drives me, I, I want to say, it makes it, it flat out pisses me off is when I hear people go, I don't like that band no more. They sold out. They're a bunch of sellouts. Shut up, stupid. Here's the issue if someone's yeah. going to pay me to play drums to do something that I love, what do I, you, you want me to play some Karma Chameleon for you? I'll play it. I don't care because I'm doing what I love. I can't stand for someone to, to ridicule a musician for selling out. I, no, don't I, I don't get that either. And I will tell you the, the 
the truth. I haven't. Um, I've had a, a million conversations about this in my life. I don't know if I've ever had it on the show. I'm sure I have. Um, when I was a kid, I used to be that guy. Oh, they, they fucking sold out. Because I didn't get it. And the more that I've been playing, the longer I, I was playing and the, the more I started touring and all that kind of shit. Then I started understanding it. And I exactly what you just said. I switched my viewpoint because hold up. I'm going to do what I absolutely live and love to do, and right. you're going to pay me? Right. Yeah, I'm in. Thanks. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that's – yeah, and anybody that says – I didn't mean to cut you off, but anybody no, that no. says they wouldn't do that, you're full of shit, and you can fuck off. It's just – that's ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean that's – and I think that's why – I think a guy like me, it's almost impossible for me to – fit that sellout label because I love all music. I mean, you never know what's going to be in my CD player or my phone or whatever, whatever right. you pop up on my Spotify rotation. I mean, it could be a, a gospel quartet one minute. It could be Iron Maiden the next and, uh, you know, not Conway Twitty because he just gets me all excited and, you know, moist down there. That guy's that guy's music, man. I would love nothing more than for Chris Hansen from Deadline NBC to read Conway Twitty music like like he's reading a chat log. That is so incriminating. That would just be the worst. But uh, yeah, I mean, my music takes her all over the place. I mean, I'm just. But if I had my druthers, I've I've swore that I'm never getting back into the to the band thing again because I just can't see me lugging my drums in and out of a place and doing that whole thing for three or four hour sets. But if I did, it would definitely, I would rule out anything but a country band because I think a country band who, and maybe I'm alone in this thought. I think a country band is where it's at. A country band that can do rock stuff will sell all day long, but a rock band, a, a band that labels themselves as a rock band that tries to do some country stuff doesn't go over well at all. It's not your crowd. That's my that's my view. I, I can see that. I I would uh I'd have to think about it a little bit longer. But my my knee jerk reaction is I agree with you. Uh, I definitely can see that. And I've and I'm totally not making this about me. But I've kind of proven that with the swerve when we set this thing in motion and and we've since we've been playing a few shows. Obviously, we're not doing shit right now, but nobody is. But since we've been playing a few shows, the the majority of our shit is country, and then we throw in the rock shit, and everybody yeah. digs it. And I was in uh, when I had gas money going. The, the majority of our stuff was '90s pop and some rock, and then we throw in some country, and nobody got it. Oh well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I've never heard a, a band that was advertised as a rock band do a country song and have it go over well with an audience. Because typically, an audience that comes out to hear a rock band, they're not big country fans. Right, but I think country fans on the on, on the flip side do tend to embrace and love, especially some good classic rock stuff or southern rock stuff. Oh, for sure, for sure, I I definitely agree with that. Now, after all the after the original band was over, where did you go from there? Because what I'm leading to is how you met Joey. Because Joey told me the story, and Joey knows my memory blows ass chunks, and I don't remember. So you have to lead it's me. A- you have to leave me there. It's your age thing. My memory is terrible too. I don't. I don't even remember who I'm talking to right now. But um, look but at your no. screen. Hi. <laughs> 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 
Joey, Joey and I met. I mean, Joey and I actually knew each other long before we became musician friends. I guess you know um, if I could say that. But we never really hung out. We never really gelled. Right. Um, and that that was years to come. But leaving the getting out of the when I was fired from the original band because I was a jerk uh, and didn't even I don't even deserve those guys to even talk to me anymore. What they do, they're they're lovely guys. Thank God for them. But um, getting out of that, I just kind of did what any other musician does. You just you know answer every Craigslist and band mix and Louisville <laughs> Mojo and MySpace salad. Looking yeah. for a drummer. I play, <laughs> you know. And man, and during that stint, did I go on some very interesting auditions? I mean, um, turned down more than I accepted. Um, but oh, I, I did too. I've been down that road. <laughs> the, the funniest, the funniest story that I ever did. <laughs> I went. I don't even know where this was. It was way out in, in BFE, and uh, I was playing. I was auditioning for a country southern rock band, and the. Uh, the, the, I don't remember their names, thank God, and I wouldn't throw them under the bus because that's just wrong. But the the guy who was leading the band played bass, and he looked like something straight off of like the Doobie Brothers. Um, his wife sang lead, and she looked like um, uh, who's the chick that was the dog the bounty hunter's wife? I can't remember her name. <laughs> she looked like her, rest her soul. And then uh, the other band, the other band members looked like a mix of Peter Paul and Mary. And uh, so I'm playing my kit, and uh, and then he goes, "Well, man, do you uh, do you do any singing?" And I, well, yeah, I can sing a little bit. So they put a microphone in front of my face, and I sang an I sang a uh, uh, I believe it was a Mickey Gilly song because I thought, okay, this is the country band, let's do this. And then we right. finished. He goes, he goes, "Hey, baby, give your microphone to him because you don't sing as good as him." <laughs> I was like, man, that was, this is awkward. <laughs> this is, I could not wait to get out. I mean, the tension was bad. But what sucks, what makes matters worse is in loading up my gear, I left my drum thrown there. So I actually oh. had to go back. <laughs> and that was, Ooh. that's. <laughs> I, um, I have a, a, as far as the tension goes, I have a similar story. And I don't think I've ever told this on the show. I went through a, a period where I was auditioning for a bunch of people. And this was back in Charlotte, so it's not even here. But um, you know this because you're a drummer. You pay attention to shit. I have four pedals. At the time, I only had three. I had my double pedal and my hat, my hi-hat. Um, mm-hmm. Now I have four. For those of you that are not drummers, I have an extra electronic kick tower. So I go on this. I answer this ad, and I go on this audition. And I don't even remember what kind of band it was. I don't know if it was originals or coverage, but it doesn't matter. So I get there and the guy said, when I called him, he said, yeah, we have a drum kit. Just bring your, your pedal and your, your whatever. It's actually not going where you think it's going. I know why you're laughing, but that's not where it's going. It's, it's even worse than that. Ugh. Yeah, ugh, exactly. So I get there and the, the drums were decent. I mean, they weren't anything to, to write home about, but so I set up my double pedal and I set up my hi-hat stand and I'm putting my cymbals, I'm putting my hi-hat cymbals on the stand and the guy walks around the corner or walks around the back of the drum kit and he looks at me and he looks at the floor and then he looks at the guitar player and he goes, hey, this dude's got three pedals. What the fuck is that? <laughs> looked at him and I said, I'll never forget this. I said, are you serious right now? Man, I ain't never seen three pedals. So I took my cymbals off my hi-hat stand. I put them back in my bag. I put oh, my, wow. 
Oh, yeah. I put my pedals back up and I said, you boys have a nice day. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a ballsy move. Where are you going? You don't think you're good enough to play with us? Ugh. No, I don't give a shit, bro. I'm out. Uh, That's right. I, I use the word bro. I got the guy. I went for an audition one time, and just that, they go, you don't, you don't have to bring your kit. We got one here for my old drummer left his here. And I'm going, okay, this is not going to be awkward. Is he going to show up and shoot me while I'm playing with his kit? <laughs> I show up, and then they go, uh, they go, here, they're probably not tuned too good, but he left this too, and they threw me a drum dial tuner. And... Ugh. Thank you. I'm, I'm using your word. Ugh. 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 Those look great, but ugh. No, they're not. No, uh, no. No, no, no. So they're I'm using that. And these guys are, I have no idea what they're playing. I was going up. They just said, well, we play original stuff, man. But you can, you know, if you're a good drummer, you'll catch on. All right. So <laughs> we start playing. And right away, all I'm hearing is, Roy, Roy, Roy. And I went, ugh, this is not for me. And, uh. So I have, you know, I've already wasted my gas. I've already, you know, put my symbols on the stands because he had some old beat up Sabian B8s. Right. Like, they're just, ugh, trash cans. But um, I, he, I am a Sabian artist, but the, the B8s are not. Guy. The, yeah. the B8s are not very good symbols. They're not. I'm, I'm a Sabian guy myself, and I'm not dogging Sabian. Sabian to me makes the best product. I, they're, yes. they're affordable, and I love how they sound, but, you know. Minus that whole Neil Pert debacle. But, um, yeah, the Paragons were awful. They were, yeah. So, but I was determined then that I'm just going to destroy this drum kit because it was already trash. And, uh, <laughs> yep. Before I left, I, there was a nice kick hole in that kick drum. And, uh, man, this boy tore it up. Man, you want to play with us? Nope. <laughs> no, I don't think it's not nope. my. <laughs> I'm so, not interested. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking, though. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, <laughs> most of most of my craziest tales along this road have been just doing auditions or playing with country bands. The the funny thing for me playing in any rock band that I've played in, um, you know, it's been fun, but it's never been. There's, everybody always thinks, man, I bet you get a lot of TNA, don't you? Back here. no, kidding me? Look at me, I'm a bit like an iceberg that sank the Titanic. I don't care how. Talented I am, no girl is gonna want to mount this. And if she does, she's gonna dismount me like I'm a rusty bicycle. I mean, <laughs> ugh. it's just no, it's not like that. Everyone thinks we have these illustrious green rooms that we're just back here, Nickelback's tour bus or something. It's just not like that at all. No, it's not. I've been in the, a green room that was like that. Uh, I've not told the story on the show, and I'm not going to tell it now, but it was cliche-ish. <laughs> it was true, and I had to get the fuck out of there before I got in major trouble. Um, oh, my God, though. I just had a thought while you were talking about all this, the, the arrogance of those the dudes that you went to audition for that said, uh, well, if you're good, you'll catch on. The arrogance of that, and then they were doing their Roy, Roy, Roy singing. I just thought of a great band name. The arrogant Roy's. The arrogant Roy's. <laughs> and with a with a name like Roy, that might even carry over to a country band. Who knows? I mean, that's just <laughs> you can do whatever with it. The arrogant Roy's. Do Royce. whatever with it. Uh, I just I don't know. I, and I, I don't mind a decent scream. I, you know, Joey. Joey has turned me on to some bands like you know, uh, uh, per, Periphery. I mean, that's one of the. I'm not a, you know. Yeah. I mean, I well, if he turned you on to them, I'm sure he turned you on to Carnival. 
kidding me. I, carnivals what I go to sleep at every night. I, most people go to Pornhub. I just put it in Carnival. It's just that's it for me. I love, I love that band. And yeah. it's so that guy, their drummer, makes me want to not play ever. Steve Judd is no, dude. You, you, I, I think you. Th- there are three drummers in Louisville that I completely. I call them the Holy Trinity of drummers in Louisville, and I'm going to blow your head up because it's going to swell. But that would be you, Ryan Murphy, and and uh, Max Maxwell. I mean, you guys are the you guys are the top. You guys, are, you know, in my opinion, not seen oh, any of the other guys and aren't. Stop but, I mean, it. But you guys, the thing I love about you guys is you all hit hard. And there's a difference any drummers out there listen there is a difference in hitting hard and beating the crap out of your drum kit thinking you're hitting hard that now that is true i i will agree with that and i i, I taught for 15 years i quit teaching a couple of years ago most people know that by now but one of the things i used to teach my students is there there is a huge difference between hitting hard and hitting with proper technique and just beating the shit out of your drums right there's a huge difference Night and day. I mean, I've you know, I've broken my share of cymbals. I've broken my share of stands, um, and, and that's not fun because you got to replace those things. But mm-hmm. I can't, I can't stand those guys that play and like they're afraid to hit their kit. But another stage story, if I may. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm playing with this country band, and we haven't even had a, a a first gig yet. But this band had had some history and some pole barn town uh somewhere in kentucky i don't even know where it was did you just say pole barn yeah i don't even know where it was but they all i do know was the name of the club was called the white barn if that makes it i don't know but apparently this band had 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 lost all of their gear in a fire in this place five years ago to before this story happened so they Right. With the insurance reasons, they lost all their gear. The band broke up, yada, yada, yada. Fast oh, forward, this guy's so. wanting to put the band back together. So he hires me to come in and play drums. And they were good. I mean, this guy was he was really good, great guitar picker, uh, a lot of fun. So he had contacted the, the, these guys at the White Barn. They're going, hey, the band's back together. It's new members, but we're back together. Can we come out and play and yada, yada? Well, they're like, well, we got these boys from Nashville coming up this weekend. But I tell you what. You come on up here and we'll let you play during their break just to let people know you're back. And I thought, we're going to drive an hour and a half to play for 20 minutes for free? What are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even no. want to carry my stick back in for less than 100 bucks. But <laughs> so, so we go and we're talking to these guys from Nashville, right? Now, trust me, these guys were not Nashville pickers. Um, but these guys, they, they, they like to tout that they were from Nashville. And they're like, oh, yeah, boys, you can go up there. And, you know, they're sizing us up. And uh, But anyway, right. we go up on their break, and we just kill it. And their drummer's in the back. I'm hearing him. He's frustrated. He's so mad. Come to find out he's back there going, that boy's going to break my drums. He's going to break my drums. <laughs> and I'm just, just unleashing all hell on these drums and just – I don't even know what kind of kit he had, but it, those heads, I don't even think those heads had, had even been, you know, seated because they were when I got done. <laughs> yeah, they were they were seated when you got done for sure. Oh, but yeah, just nothing better than making some hillbillies mad because you outplayed them on their kit. That's fun too. So. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, <clears throat> um, I've done that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> How many how many symbols do you have in your graveyard? <laughs> uh, as far as broken ones, right now, um, actually only two. 
Uh, I keep them on my the practice rig. No, that's a lie. I have three. Uh, my two crashes in my China. The ones in the videos that I post all the time. The the sixteen, the seventeen inch crash, and then the China are they're actually broken, and I keep those in the re, in the band room, and that's what I rehearse on all the time. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I I haven't broken. I think it's been over two years since I broke anything, honestly. Right, right yeah, I don't. I, I and it was one of the things that when I got my Sabian deal uh, a few years ago, because I don't know if you know that I am actually endorsed by Sabian. Um, when I got my Sabian deal, the guy that took me under his wing, Bob Rupp, uh, who has been on my show, is an amazing human being. And I'm not saying that because he's my rep. He's actually not even my rep anymore because uh, they did a bunch of restructuring. But point is, he took me under his wing and he taught me so much stuff about symbols that I had. I, I didn't even – that dude forgot more about symbols than I'll ever know. Um, but one of the things he taught me was – uh, at the time, I was using Peisty, and he he was telling me, huh? "Were you laughing?" Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm wondering where you're going with this. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you with that. Oh no, that's that's good. <laughs> uh, by the way, just for the drummers that are listening to this, it is fucking pronounced Peisty. Just <laughs> FYI, is, is if you don't believe me, go to their website. They have an actual pronunciation on the website. So anyway, um, I, I was using symbols. Yeah, you play them paste dog. What? Um, anyway, he took me under his wing, and, and one of the things that he told me, he said the things that make one of the things that makes Peisty sound the way they do, and they're they're great sounding symbols. I have nothing against them. He said the type of alloy they use is also one of the things that makes them break fast. Because I used to run through Peisties, and uh, the drummers that are listening to this will know that Peisties are expensive as shit. Um, not that Sabians are cheap, because they're not, but. Peisty is probably the most expensive symbol brand uh, on the, on the market. So I, when he, we started going down this road, and he started leading me down this road, what he was getting at was the way that Sabians are made. They have a perfect sweet spot where they'll flex, and if you mount them in a more of a particular angle to your body and how you hit, meaning the same angle is not going to work for everybody. But if you find that kind of sweet spot in that perfect angle for yourself you won't break that many symbols and he wow. was dead on he was dead on the last symbol i broke is is the china um but he told me when i ordered the holy china he said you're gonna break these he said that they're full of holes they're loud they sound great but as hard as you hit you're not gonna find that sweet spot they're not gonna flex right you're gonna break them and i've broke two of them um mm. but i know going in i'm gonna break them so it doesn't really bother me that much because it's right. It's probably the my favorite China that Sabian makes. They have a couple other ones that I really dig, but the 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 Chad Smith Holy China is my favorite. But point I'm getting to is once he kind of explained that to me and him knowing how hard I hit and all that kind of stuff, I don't really break any symbols anymore. I really yeah. don't. The two crashes that I have that are broken, and in fact, the the 16 is actually not even broken. It's just warped. Uh, the 17 is broken, but I've had those symbols for seven or eight years. Wow. Um, and you know how hard I hit. So oh, yeah, and the yeah. 17 just has a, a maybe a half inch crack in the edge. Wow. That's something I absolutely, and I am not endorsed by Sabian. So anything that I say about them, yeah, I'm not getting paid to, but I will say the reason that I do play Sabian is because of their customer service. I am a sucker for good quality customer service when it comes to product. Oh, I, I have the Sabian symbol. I called them. They said, uh, yeah, just send it back to us. I did. I went to vacation. I come back, and my replacement symbol was waiting for me when I got back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're 
they're definitely yeah. amazing. And and like I said, the 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 short story for your edification is, I was not even looking for an endorsement. Mm-hmm. Bob was doing a um a few years ago, and I I can't remember how long ago it was. It had to be seven eight years ago, uh, something like that. But he um Sabian was doing a uh, they were calling it the vault tour and they were going around to all these smaller music stores and they were doing uh, basically a symbol show is the easiest way to describe it. And they brought in one of the biggest fucking racks I've ever seen in my life. It wow. took up the entire floor of mom's music and there was over 350 symbols on it. And then they had a guy outside who was lathing and hammering symbols. And at the time, uh, mom's had one of my I shouldn't say one of my, it was my only one uh, mom's had my DVD on a couple of the TVs on loop um, and Bob saw it and he said, who's this guy? and they told him that I was who I was and that I was a teacher there and we met and hit it off and he just started to kind of ask me questions and sort of seek me out and so he, Sabian, him through Sabian actually sought me out I didn't seek them out Um, and the coolest part about the whole story as far as getting my endorsement was he asked me when he, cause he lives in Colorado when he went back to Colorado and I was obviously still here in Louisville, he, he called me one day and he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to email me the entire, your entire symbol setup that you have now. And I will email you back the closest, um, what's the word? Not competitor. Um, the closest Sabian symbol. Thank you, comparable. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The most, the closest comparable symbol that Sabian has to what you're using, and he was a hundred percent right on all of them except the China. Um, and this was before the Holy China even came out. I, I don't remember what kind of China it was at the time, but that's how I got endorsed by Sabian. He sought me out. I, I didn't have, I wasn't even looking for endorsements. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of a cool story, I think. Um, but yeah, I've been a Sabian player ever since, and especially since he told me that stuff and took me under his wing and showed me all the ins and outs of symbols. It's it's made a world of difference, not only in my playing, but the way that I sound, especially wow. after the first time I got to record with Sabians compared to, to Pisces, because Pisces have a tendency to project up is ver- versus out, um, mm-hmm. and Sabians kind of project more of a, a 360 kind of out thing. Versus straight up, so that was that was kind of cool learning how to mic them and stuff in the studio. Yeah, and every Pisces that I've ever owned, I've broken like uh, within a year. So I just yeah. Oh, I have two. I have yeah. two. And they're too expensive to replace like that. But I mean, it's, and I don't have that issue with saving. I mean, my just don't. Oh, I don't either. But and that's like I said, that's that's the the whole way that they're built and the way that they flex. I mean, if you, um, and we'll deal with this later. But if you ever when we get out of quarantine or whatever, um, come over to the band room and I'll show you that 16, how warped it is. It won't break. It just warped. It looked like somebody kind of tried to twist it. Uh, and it did, and it never went back to normal. It still sounds great, but it just, it's, it's kind of cool when he explained all that kind of stuff to me. And you're using that Holy China now, right? Isn't that part of your stage setup? Yeah. The one I use live is a different one than the one I have in my band room. Cause the band room, the one, like I said, the one in the band room is broke. Um, but the one I use live is actually, it's the Chad's, they're all Chad Smith, Holy Chinas, but, but this one is the one I use live is the Chad Smith signature. So it's got the black, uh, red hot chili peppers logo on it. And I'm not into that kind of stuff, but this symbol was, uh, I got it after my buddy, Jamie Harris passed away. Um, 
most a lot of people in Louisville know who Jamie was. Uh, he was a really, really good friend of mine. And when he passed away, I helped his wife kind of collect all his drum gear and all that stuff. And we took it all to mom so they could sell it so she could make some money and, and deal with all that kind of garbage. But I bought, yes, people I bought, um, I bought probably five or six of his, his pieces, um, that I still use now. And that, that Holy China was one of them. That thing sounds good, man. I love how that thing sounds on your live shows. Thanks. I it's appreciate it. It's obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> how many people have we bored to death with equipment talk now? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no, I, it, my, my show, my rules. Um, now back to your music journey. You were in, I'm, I think I'm right, but I'm good. 50, 50 shot. I'm wrong. You were in eight inch Elvis, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was right. Yeah. Me. Yeah. No, that was the, uh, the last cover band that I played in full time. Uh, now, it's not the 8-inch Elvis that people see now, so if you go to like Light Up Louisville or whatever, they're doing more of a rockabilly thing. Uh, back right. then, 8-inch Elvis was a cover band. We did everything just you know like most people do, everything from uh, Taylor Swift to ACDC and in between. Um, and um, that was, wow, that was a blast to be in that band. Those guys, I can't, cannot say enough. Kevin and Kara Kelton are probably two of the most beautiful, sweet people I've ever met. I have uh, unfortunately never met them, but I've heard nothing but good things from 47,000 people about those guys. Dude, they're just, they're just so humble, honestly. Uh, there's there's nothing bad you can say about them. Either. And Kara, and not to knock any other singers, but in my personal opinion, Kara Kelton probably has one of the greatest female voices in Louisville that most people don't even know of. She's nice. that good. She's amazing. Um, she, she's one of the few singers that actually will, will sing, and my arms and my the hair on my arms will just stand up at times. I'm just like, ugh. Well, you she's can stop that if you just start shaving your arms. Right. Then <laughs> <Yeah>, I, <laughs> I look even more like a chemo patient than more than I do the hair on my head. So, yeah, but I shave my arms. It's all good. <laughs> you said ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I've got these fat tits. I'm a diary away from being, looking like a fat girl. If I start shaving my arms and everything, I'm just going to be a fat girl. So. Stop it. <laughs> but no, and then Joey actually was in 8-inch Elvis before, we, before that band disbanded as it was. Uh, right. Uh, so that was my last chance to play with Joey. Who, and people that don't know Joey, I don't know why you know. He's one of the best bass players you're going to find in Louisville. Yes, um, he is. That's why he's mine. I don't even I don't even like talking good about him. I wish he would catch full blown AIDS, but uh, but no, uh, don't I wish that, that on me. I'll cut you. <laughs> I say that's that my, that's my boo boo. I have a small circle of people, and Joey's one of those, uh, one of those small circles. And so, yeah. Now Joey's not only is Joey uh, an amazing bass player, he's Joey's good people. I love yeah. that dude. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, stop talking about him. He's gonna get a fucking. Yeah chubby because we're 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 blowing his ego up right he told me i had to say four nice things about him i told him no i'll give him one or two and that's about it (laughs) (laughs) you said specifically four that's joey (laughs) make it six one for each of my strings on my bass so no yeah exactly nope not doing it so yeah (laughs) so now are you are you 
are you still are you playing now at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing. I'm, I've gone. My my playing has come full circle um, for the last year or two. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Year or two, I have gone back to my roots. I'm actually playing back in my church band uh, every Sunday, and church music has changed dramatically. Oh, for sure. <laughs> where it was when I played, uh, especially uh, uh, our church that I go to. The uh, the whole, the whole setup. So yeah, no, church music has changed so much from where it was when I was playing back at age 10, 11, 12, you know. Right. Uh, now it's more, now it sounds more like arena rock type stuff. Um, I would agree with that. Musicians. Yeah, it's very, very arena rock sounding um, from the tones to just the music. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's where I'm at. So I, I honestly, I have not had for me to get back out there and play, uh, you know, regular music, it would take an act of God and a special. I just wouldn't play for any Jim Bob and the <laughs> Jim Bob and the uh, what do you call it? The Roy, the the arrogant Roys. The arrogant Roys. I just couldn't play for Jim Bob and the arrogant Roys. I just couldn't do that. So <laughs> just just would not be worth it for me. I like it. Jim Bob and the Ameri- the uh, arrogant Roy. Arrogant Roy's. I'm so going to use that. Yeah, please use that forever. That's fucking great. <laughs> That's what I call golden. Golden, golden, <sighs> golden. <sighs> now, besides being a drummer, um, you have just started a podcast, correct? I have with uh, my, my close circle of buddies, uh, myself, uh, Probably my, my best friend, a uh, guy by the name of Jason Banta. Uh, Joey Goldsmith, obviously, your, your bass player. Never heard of him. Another, never heard of him. And another guy, a friend of ours named Bobby. Uh, we, we've we known each other. We've hung out for well over 20 years. Uh, we've just been those longtime friends that would sit around on a deck and drink beer and drink bourbon and laugh and tell ornery jokes and stories and some true and some more true than they should be. And, <laughs> and when, some embellished a little. Yeah. But uh, when you're, when you're 16 and 17 year old kids come up and they're going, are y'all hanging out today on the deck, dad? Yep. Screw this. I ain't going nowhere. This is funny. I mean, uh, you start to think, <laughs> huh, maybe we are funny. I don't know. Maybe so, we got something here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we got something. So, we do what anybody does is you go out and you buy a bunch of outlandish expensive equipment. You go, all right, boys, we're going to make a show. And it's going to be a hit and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be somebody. And uh, so that's, that's what we're doing. It's basically just the four of us talking about the things that we know best, which is beer, bourbon, and tacos and just outlandish tales. And that's, that's nice. just, and we don't even know where we're going with this thing yet. It's just we just know we want to hang out and talk and make fools of ourselves. Essentially, that's where we're at. Well, fair enough. What is what is the name of said this show? This is called because we do love tacos so much. Uh, it's called Let's Talk About This. <laughs> Every right time now, I hear the name or say the name, it makes me giggle because I like it. Then then we're already getting a head start with you. Um, <laughs> I 
think I love the name. I think it's cool as shit. We've taken the podcast world, and we've only got a couple of episodes uploaded yet, and we've literally taken the podcast world by storms. We've got 17 followers already. and uh, Damn, dog. You're crushing it. It's hard to believe. But we're only on one platform, uh, which is Podbean. Uh, Which is a good uh, platform. This is a good, yeah. We took that as a recommendation. Somebody says, you know, Stephen said he used Podbean. That's what we're going to use then. It'll, <laughs> it'll work for us. So that's literally how that went down. <laughs> so, did you just use the L word? Literally? Mm-hmm. Did I say that? I did. You did. I'm going to cut myself a long ways in the, in the wrist when I get done. No, no, no. You, you, you can use the word. You just have to say it correctly. Literally? Literally. Oh, God. You already forgot. I did. I didn't. I didn't know there was a way to say that. I just yes, <laughs> literally, literally. There I you like go. <laughs> I, like I like it. So yeah, that's what we're doing. And uh, this whole quarantine thing has had us kind of at a standstill for the better part of a month. Right. But we are going to get back out there. We're going to have people on to just you know tell us crazy stuff like you. I can't wait to have guys like you on because maybe you'll. Maybe if we tell people that's not Stephen O'Reilly, we'll just say, hey, this is a guy going by the name of Roy. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to share some outlandish stage stories with us and just, you know, be safe. This is our buddy Roy Arrogant. <laughs> we actually we actually toyed around with the idea of using fake aliases because we were like, man, I got a job. I can't lose that job <laughs> if you want to tell that story about peeing in that girl's, you know, <laughs> cereal bowl or something. You know, just stupid stuff. <laughs> It's my job. I'm going to have to use an alias. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where we're at. And that's a lot of fun. We're enjoying it. That's awesome. That, no, that's that's cool, man. That's, that's how my podcast came about. I just, I've been a fan of podcasts for, forever. And it's because I've always learned in music. And somebody turned me on a podcast 10 years ago or however the hell long ago it was. And I went, man, I want to do a podcast that I would listen to because without quote unquote famous people, I just want to hang out with my friends and shit. And that's how the bar star podcast was born. That's the thing. Louisville has such a plethora of amazing musicians and talent. That literally it does. A podcast just like what you're doing and have a guest on every, every week, every two weeks, whatever. Yeah. You run out. Yeah, you you for sure. Well, most people could. I mean, I have a list of people I've pissed off, but whatever. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> at least, at least not on this show. <laughs> yeah, not on this show. I won't. I won't talk about that where there's recording devices being. Um, right. <laughs> I was gonna say something else, but I, I'll go with used. <laughs> so before we get out of here, what? Are you listening to? Honestly, I, I listen to I, I listen to more and more podcasts and uh, comedy things anymore than I than I do music, and that's unfortunately that's just where I'm at. I've even toyed around with the part of the thought of hanging up drums altogether because, like you know, I'm 47 and my body feels like it's 70, and I, I'm hunched <laughs> over. I'm, my back is more curved than than. Mick Mars from Motley Crue. I've got a question mark spine and for being hunched over a drum kit all those years. And I'm just like, Ugh, let me play the spoons or the cowbell or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. the greatest triangle player ever. Yeah. But other than that, honestly, what I look for, and I'll cruise through social media looking for unsigned artists. I like hearing what people are doing with like old 80s songs and they're making them acoustic. 
right covers. i love i love 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 when a band can take an old song and make it something different with an acoustic sound and uh oh i agree yeah. i love that too i think it's really really especially if it's done well i i love that shit yes yeah and maybe i'm just getting old but i would just much rather sit back with a nice acoustic setting and, and hear you know vocals and and harmony. i'm a sucker for harmonies uh, I don't. I don't think it's getting old. I've I've had this conversation ad nauseum my entire life. I think the more musically mature we get as musicians and players and whatever you want to fucking call yourself, um, we start to understand things on a much deeper level that we didn't get before. So things like harmonies make sense because you kind of go, oh shit, that's really hard to do, or. Stuff like as cheesy as people think the song Rosanna is, and to some extent that song is kind of cheesy, but it's one of the premier top fucking drum lines for drummers is to try to figure out and play the the Rosanna shuffle. That Rosanna shuffle is, I don't I don't know any drummer that doesn't try to play that. I, I play that just warming up, just to you know. Well, let me rephrase. I try to play that warming up. <laughs> <laughs> Because people that aren't drummers don't realize just how tough that shuffle is to play. No, they that don't. It, <laughs> yeah, it's a bitch. And I, but I think that I think that has a lot to do with it. Yes, I mean obviously we get older, but I, I am a firm believer, and I've seen it uh, through teaching. Some people just musically mature faster than they actually physically age. Right. Uh, but I think a lot of it comes with musical maturity. You just start to hear things differently, and you start to when you start to understand things, you go, oh shit. I did not realize that was that in depth or that was that hard or, or difficult to do or to pull off or whatever. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't think that you're getting old is, is where I'm going with that. I think that you're, you appreciate shit more because you have a better understanding of it now. Yeah. I, I feel like more like my dad. I'm like, no, just give me some good country acoustic stuff and get that devil music away from me. <laughs> I literally have come full circle, and, you know, and I better. I, I have to say this: I, I have really abused my dad through this whole thing. My dad and I get along great. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we talk literally uh, every other day. It seems like just you know, uh, he was a rough around the edges growing up, but I mean, I get it. But I, I didn't want to paint him being this uh, this guy running around like a raging bull, punching his family in the face. Uh, it was it was just me. Why? So, now you ruined the illusion. Good job. I know. He's, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. He just has temper issues. He looks like Mike Ditka. <laughs> and he just, you know, instead of throwing clipboards, he would throw fists. And, you know. he, he's a great guy. He'll just punch you in the fucking mouth. <laughs> he will. He will. So, <laughs> I love you, Dad. You're you're a tough guy. He, he love you, Dad. You're so good. <laughs> All right, my brother. Where can everybody find you? Where can they find the podcast? Where can they find you and follow you and all that good happy horse shit? Look, look for the podcast on Podbeam. Uh, look for us. You know, let's talk about this. It's all ran together. Uh, and follow us. We're gonna upload it, and and send us messages, man. Let us know how you're digging it. Give us. We're we're not pros in this. Give us stuff. You know, give us ideas. You know, we one of our last episodes for Christ's sake, we had a guy dip his balls in soy sauce for Christ. I mean, that's just. Yeah, I heard yeah. that one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's, we're, we're doing dumb stuff. We're just, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, follow, follow me on Twitter. You find me on Twitter at Yo Jeffrey Scott. I know how, how pathetic does that mean? I'm 47 and trying to sound hip and cool, and I'm not. Um, You're so hip and cool. Yeah. Shut your mouth. 
I try, but uh, I, I wear a hat now because, you know, if I go to the stylist, she goes, are we still with the chemo wispy still? Yep, same cut. But, uh, <laughs> chemo wispy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look for us. Are, are you there. struggling with, with, with the whether you should shave your head or not? Yes, and, and I, I thought about it. This is literally, literally Good been job. going. Thank you. This has been the topic uh, around here for a couple of weeks. I'm afraid that if I shave my head, I'm going to look like the fat guy from Full Metal Jacket that shot himself in the bathroom, and nobody needs that on their resume. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. So that. No, but but at, but at this point in this stage in your life, I think that uh, being bald would be better suited than having a hairstyle known as the chemo wispy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's either that or the Pete Rose. So. <laughs> Either way, I'm ruining family photos everywhere I go. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, where can they find you on Facebook? Uh, Facebook. And it's not at Chemo Wispy either. It's not at Chemo Wispy. It should be. No, look me up, Jeff House on Facebook. I'm I'm a guy again trying to be cool. I don't even know what my pose is on there. I, I'm either looking like I'm twirling a drumstick or I'm got a, a beard that is growing because why not? Uh, yeah, man, say hi. Say hi. I'm all. I'm always down to, and don't take anything I say serious because Lord knows I don't. So. Well, I don't either. I'm erasing this whole fucking episode when we're done. Love it. And I, <laughs> as well, as well you should. You'll do nothing but lose followers here. That guy said chemo two times. I'm leaving you, Stephen. So. <laughs> Shit. The ones I have by if they haven't left me by now, they're not going anywhere. But. I might lose one or two because I said chemo four times now. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you, thank you so much for for thinking enough of me to have me on this, man. You got you have probably one of the coolest podcasts out there for local musicians and just people around here. It's pretty cool. I get to hear some. Dude, your interview with Ryan, uh, with uh, Ryan Preston. <laughs> if you haven't heard that, folks, go back and listen to that interview. That blew. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I didn't yeah, know Ryan did all that stuff. I didn't either. I, I, I knew he did some of it before we started talking, but then he, he, he started talking about all the other shit he did, and I was like, wait, what? You've done yeah. what? Yeah, that shit's well, crazy. Before that interview, I was like, oh, hey, Ryan. After that interview, I was like, hey, Daddy, come here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> come here, Rockstar. I want to talk to you. Flirt with him on a whole different level. Wink, wink, tee, hee, tee, hee. It's only gay if you change your status. Come here. <laughs> That's ridiculous, but yeah, man. Thanks, and thank you so much for having me out here doing this stuff with you and <laughs> letting people realize just how <laughs> uncool I am. <laughs> I only know that you're stuttering on yours because you're watching me laugh. <laughs> that was good. Oh, I've got some. Uh, we're, I'm just gonna, as I'm editing this, I'm just gonna write some of these things down, and then we'll just we'll make memes out of it. <laughs> yes, yes, be great. Jason, Jason sat next to us, just shaking his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the Thank time, you. and uh, I will talk to you soon, my brother. Thank you very much. We'll see you, bubble. All right, see you. Hey guys, this is Steve Owens from Fascination Street Podcast here with a very important message. I'm awesome. I bet you thought I was going to say something else, but nope. What's important here is that I am awesome. I have a podcast called Fascination Street, and it allows me to bring to my listeners some of the most fascinating stories and guests. 
I started this show because I truly believe that everybody has a story and I'm fascinated to hear those stories. In the short time I've been doing this show, I've interviewed actors, directors, writers, inventors, podcasters, musicians, pro athletes, Olympic athletes, actual war heroes, even a Bond girl and a luthier, whatever the hell that is, and of course, regular people. From people who wanted to be stars but never gave it a real try, to big company CEOs and people who got to meet their favorite president. I love getting to meet and speak with people who have a story to tell. I feel like everyone does, and it's my job to get them to tell it. You never know who my next guest will be. An Academy Award-winning actor, a platinum-selling musician, or your own mother-in-law. But one thing is for certain, you will be fascinated by their story. So come take a walk with me down Fascination Street. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, FascinationStreetPod.com. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got some chuckles out of it. Hope you learned something about some symbols and some musical maturity and how to be self-deprecating and self-loathing because Jeff is apparently good at it and he needs to stop it because he is an awesome dude. And that's it. I hope you guys will come back and stay tuned next week. I've got uh, some other stuff coming and I hope everybody is staying safe. These intros and outros will be kind of short. I do not want to bore you with a bunch of shit. And to my brothers and my sister in the swerve, I miss your damn faces. And that's it. I am out of here. I got some other stuff I have to go do because I'm so fucking busy. I mean, it's retarded how busy I am. Wow, I just have so many things to get done. I'm just kidding. Thank you guys for tuning in, for downloading, for streaming, whatever you do. And uh, the only thing I will plug is if you got this anywhere, you can leave a review, leave a review. Come back and check me out. Helps new people find the show. Everybody's got time to do shit. And I said this before, if you haven't checked out my older episodes, go find them. You can get them wherever you get podcasts. So there you go. I'm out of here. I will talk to you guys whenever I talk to you guys next. And uh, as I say now, at the end of my newer episodes, stay safe and shit. Yep. Stay in the house. Don't do nothing. Don't go out. Don't get fucking weird. But... Do something while you're in the house. There you go. So stay safe and do some, learn a new skill. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. See you later. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.